Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 14, reading from the message version. On a good day, someone say good day. Enjoy yourself, but on a bad day, examine your conscience. For God arranges for both kinds of days so that we won't take anything for granted. I want to speak to you today on the topic, good days and x-rays. Good days and x-rays. Say amen if you are having a good day. All right, now, one of the things I pride Journey Church on is honesty, (laughs) authenticity, and transparency. I love it that you can come to church and not feel like you have it all together, because neither do I. So so I'm going to ask another question. I'm not saying the first people lied. I believe that you're telling the truth. But I'm going to ask another question, and I expect just as much energy. How many people are having a bad day? (laughs) It's it's just, it's only 11 a.m., But I appreciate your honesty because I think there is a branch of of Christians, let's just say, if you have a bad day, you are not a Christian because every day ought to be the best day of your life. And so the person who says that, I want your life. I think if we're being honest, good days and bad days are a part of life. And it's crazy how early in the day you can tell what kind of day it's already going to become. Isn't it right? Like if you wake up in the morning and you're well rested, and you can hear the birds chirping in your window. And they're not just chirping. They're like chirping the latest Billie Eilish song. And you're just like, and you wake up and you're like, this is beautiful. Like, how many of you don't know that that's probably going to be a what? Uh, it's going to be a good day. But on the same token, if you wake up in the morning fully rested and the birds are chirping your favorite song outside your window. But the reason why you feel fully rested is because you overslept because your alarm went off. And now you're late for work. Chances are that's going to be a, yeah, yeah, it feels like it might be a bad day. If you wake up in the morning and you got the perfect hair, come on, somebody. You ever wake up and it's a perfect hair day? You look in the mirror, you're like, I couldn't even if I tried. <laughs> and then like you, you get your, put your shirt on, but you're like super careful to put your shirt on. You're like, I can't mess it up. It's probably going to be a what? Yeah. But if you wake up in the morning and your hair looks like it's worshiping God, you know what I'm talking about? You get up in the morning, you look at the mirror and your hair is just like, <laughs> and, like and it won't stop worshiping no matter how hard you try. You're like gel, mousse. It's not, it's not happening. Uh, it's probably going to be a, this next one you won't relate to if you're under the age of 35. But something happened to me when I got close to this age. And, and, and for, so for those over 35 who are at church today, you're going to be like, yes, pastor. For those of you under 35, you're going to be like, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. But for all, of my, all those who are over 35, if you wake up in the morning and you don't have back pain, whoo! If you wake up in the morning and you're like, ooh, yeah! I haven't been able to touch my toes in five years. This is amazing. I'll tell you what, it's going to be a good day. 
it was good. And if you wake up in the morning and it, back pain, that's just, that's not even a bad day. That's just what we call every day. And, and I don't even know why some days are like that. And some, sometimes I think Liz did stuff to me at night. I'm like, she was mad at me. So in the middle of the night, she beat me up. That's why I feel like this in the morning is probably going to be <clears throat> a bad day. I want to say this. I don't think it's bad that we define our days because to do anything other than that, if we're being honest, would be dishonest, would be disingenuous. Like, I'm not going to front. I'm not going to pretend that when you go in for your phone and you touch a piece of paper and then you put that piece of paper out and it ends up being a 20, that that's a good day. That's a good day. And I'm not going to pretend like it's not a bad day if you're driving home from work and you start to see some red and blue lights in your rearview mirror even though you were only going five over, which is okay. <laughs> Probably not, but we all do it. And you get pulled over. It's going to be a bad day. What's the, prob the problem is not that we define our days. The problem is that we allow the definition of our days to define the direction of our life. Oh, it's not bad if you're having a bad day. The problem is when a bad day causes you to lead a bad life. Sometimes you see this when you get to work because you had some trouble at home with your kids and one of them threw up and your husband was short with you and then you get to work and you take it out on your coworkers and your clients. And then it starts to become an issue in your workplace. So your boss pulls you in and says, hey, is everything all right? And instead of trying to work on your emotion or evolve your attitude, we look at our boss and we go, sorry, boss, it was just a... And we use the, de the definition of our day as a crutch to continue in the direction for our life. Oftentimes, I find it's actually even more often the reverse. Because our clients and our coworkers gave us hell at work. Now we come home and we unleash the stress that they put on us. We unleash it not on clients and coworkers, but spouses and children or family and friends. And then you'll come home and the person who loves you says, would you like anything for dinner? And you'll be like, why wasn't it already made? Wow. And then she's like, excuse me? <laughs> what did I do? You ever feel like somebody was yelling at you but not at you? <laughs> what did I do to deserve that attitude from you? And then instead of saying, like, instead of working on it, we go, well, it's just I had a... Bad day. Yeah, but if you have enough bad days in a row, you lose your family. Wow. Enough bad days in a row, you lose your job. Enough bad days in a row, you lose your friends. You have to take a shift. You have to transition from defining your day to directing your day. I, I used to have a, a, a... Raise your hand if you're familiar with this. I don't know. Um, we have somebody very special in the audience today. I want to give a quick shout out. We have Jeffrey and Joanne Portman sitting in the second row right here. I love, I love that you clap for them even though you have no idea who you are. But they're just the kind of church we are here at Journey. They are the directors of the Church Multiplication Network. They plant, they help plant, they lead a group of churches, which we're a part of, thousands of churches all over the United States. They help plant. They gave us $20,000 to renovate this building as well. So thank you so much for that. I don't know if you have these in Missouri or if you have these in Washington, where you live, where you live, lived and now currently live, but in Florida, we have this thing called a lemon law. Yeah. Does you have know what a lemon law is? Yeah. A lemon law is when your car is so jacked up like you try and get it repaired, that the manufacturer has to buy it back from you. If you didn't know that that thing exists, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you save, I expect to see in your tithes next month. I'm just saying right now. <laughs> I have, we, when we first got married, Liz and I, we had this, this car. It was, a, it was a Suzuki, a black Suzuki. Here's how bad 
We got married in 2008. Here's a, right? Yeah. Here's how bad this Suzuki is. We were driving it in 2008, and they stopped making them in 2004. That's how bad Suzuki's are. And this thing, it would stall on you whenever you stopped at a red light. It would stall on you every time. You know, as much as it stalled on me, I always got to where I was going. I learned how to drive a bad car to a good place. Sometimes you got to learn how to drive a bad day to a good place. But, but you got to learn how to do it. Like, for me, the way I did it was, if, it, if I knew it was going to stall a red light, what I did was, if I saw the red light coming, I just went down to like one mile per hour. And I would just drive like this on the street. Just, people looking at me like, are you going or stopping? I'm like, I'm staying alive. That's what I'm doing. I can't. I got to go. Come on. Make some noise if you got a car that requires a passcode to start. You know what I'm talking about? You get in there, you're like, you know what I'm talking about? Come on, people are like, your car's broken. You're like, nah, you just don't know it like I know it. You just don't, don't listen to them, baby. They don't, they don't know you like I know you. Your car should not require anything more than a key to start, bro, okay? But you got to learn how to drive a good day. And I'm going to help teach you today. I'm going to teach you today how you can drive a bad day. But I'm also going to teach you how to drive a good day. Because the same way we don't know how to drive bad days, a lot of us don't know how to drive good days. And a lot of us have driven good days into the ground because we didn't know how to appreciate it when it came. Have you ever had a good day, start off a good day, and you made one choice that just took that good day and just, have you ever messed up a vacation where you're supposed to be relaxing? This happened to me. We were in Venice, Italy. I was with Liz. We were on the gondola, and something happened. It was so small. It was beautiful. The sun was setting. The guy was singing, Ciao Venezia, Ciao Venezia, Ciao, Ciao. It was so beautiful. I could have went in for the kiss, but no. Something inside me, evil, <laughs> said, you know that thing you've been wanting to tell your wife for a while? Now's the time. And everything inside of me was like, don't do it. Don't do it. But I did it. And I said it. And it was a beautiful day until I said it. And I could feel this look at me and go, really? Now is when you're going to choose to say what you just said to me right now? Now? Couldn't wait till we got home. You had to take this good day and ram it into the... I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Right? Some of us don't even know how to drive a good day. So, so I'm going to teach you on that, how to drive a good day. But then the other thing, the reason why I got to where I was going was because I also knew where I was going before I started. We need to shift from definition to direction. A lot of times we define our day. It's a bad day because we experience pain. It's a good day because we experience pleasure. And so we base the definition on the experience of pain or pleasure. And that's not bad. I'm just saying there's a higher place you can go. And it's shifting from defining your day as good and bad based on pain or pleasure to directing your day based on not pain or pleasure, but purpose. Purpose. This might be a bad thing, but I know where I'm going to go and I'm not going to let this bad thing shift the rest of my life. I know where I'm headed. I know where I'm headed. I want you to transition from what the day is to why the day is. Because you can't choose what kind of day you have. I hope you know. Ecclesiastes 7.14 says this. 
God, we just read it. God arranges for both. Who, who arranges it? God arranges for both kinds of days. That means you don't have a say whether or not you wake up to a good day or a bad day. God does. And that verse will either wreck your faith or that can be the verse that your faith rests on. Because it could wreck your faith. Because if God arranges bad days, then the question you got to ask is, why would he allow this bad thing to happen to me? But does it sound like a good God if he would allow a bad thing to happen? But when you hone in on the verb arrange, your understanding of God changes. Because if he's arranging it, then even if it looks bad, that means it actually is playing a bigger part in things getting organized and in place in your life. He's arranging it. I learned that when Liz and I, over sabbatical, we tried to organize our office, my office. And we have two very different ways of organizing. My way of, and I'll just tell you right now, her way's better. <laughs> my way of organizing is I, I leave everything where it is and I just pick up trash. So like crumbled up paper, food, dishes, that's, for me, that's organized. Really, that's not organized, that's just cleaning. She told me there's a difference. But for many years, I had trouble with her method of organization because she always made it look worse before she made it better. Just right now, I go into the office. She goes, oh, I just organized your office. This is what she said. Her words are, I just organized your office. I just organized your office. I go into the office and everything in my office is piled in the middle of the floor. <laughs> everything in the office is from the, from the floor up. It's like a mountain stinking Marie Kondo. And it's everything in the middle. And I'm like, what do you mean you organize it? She goes, well, sometimes you got to take it out before you can put it back where it belongs. I couldn't see everything that you had until it came out. She made a mess, but the mess was just the first step in the arrangement. Sometimes bad days happen and we look at the mess that God is making in our life. But when you put it in the context of arrangement, you understand that he did not abandon you. He's arranging you. He's arranging you. And the only reason why I didn't freak out this time is because I've been married long enough to know that the messing is the preface to the arranging. And if you stay in a relationship with Christ long enough, you will not get dismayed when messes come into your life because you will have served him long enough to identify that the mess is just the preface to the arrangements. I know that it's happening, but it's happening so that things can finally get in order. So let's talk about good days and let's talk about bad days. Let's first identify what a good day is because you ought to know what one is if you're going to be able to enjoy it when it comes. So the question is, what is a good day? I don't know if you're going to like my answer or not, but here's what I believe a good day is. Today. Amen. Today is a good day. Where do you get that in the Bible? Pastor JJ, Psalms chapter 118, verse 24. This is the day. <laughs> Tomorrow's the day. Was yesterday the day? Were the best days of your life yesterday? No. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Sometimes it's hard to identify a good day as a good day because it doesn't look like a good day. But I think good days are a lot like Picasso's. Have you ever seen a Picasso painting? For the life of me, I cannot wonder why they are so expensive. You got eyeballs over here nose is over here. It looks like a straight wreck, but it's invaluable. I, matter of fact, I got one right here. Show us this picture real quick of a Picasso. You can't even barely see this. This isn't even a painting. This is a pencil and paper. He drew a lady's face. 
This sold for hundreds of thousands of dollars. I think it was like 300 or half a million this sold for. And this is just, listen, I can draw that. <laughs> but if I drew it, you would not buy it. <laughs> you know why this is worth something? Not because it's beautiful, but because it's a Picasso. Sometimes we value art not by what it is, but by who made it. Can I show you my most valuable piece of art? It's not a Picasso. It's not a Rembrandt. It's not a Da Vinci. Let me show you really quickly my most favorite. This is my favorite piece of art. Throw it up on the screen. It, it sits in my office. Justice and Zane made it for me. I don't even know what it says. It says, love you, dad, too. I don't know if he was like saying love to you, dad. Love to dad, who is also you. I don't care what it is, because when I see it, I don't see the art, I see the artist. One of the ways to value today as good and beautiful is not to define it by what it is, but to allow it to remind you who made it. And when you see the maker of the day in the day, it's amazing how children's paintings and sketches can be some of the most beautiful things you have ever seen in your life. Liz hates when I do this. She really shouldn't. She should encourage me. <laughs> but we'll be driving. This happened probably not so long ago. We'll be driving and no matter red light. And I'll look at the red light and I'll be like, wow. And she'll be like, what? And I'll be like, this red light. <laughs> She's like, what? I'm like, it's amazing to me, this red light, because I really want to go. <laughs> but if I go, these cars will come and they'll hit me. She's like, what are you talking about? And I go, and then I say this, I go, it's like God. <laughs> I go, so many times in my life I've wanted to go ahead of his timing, but I'm so glad that he stopped me, because had he not stopped me and slowed me down, he would have put me, I would have put myself in a position that would have created an accident in my life. I, just, I just love God. I see him in this red light. Yep. And she'll be like, will you stop? She'll tell me, I said, are you preaching right now? Why are you always, can we just go on a date night and you not preach, please? And I'm trying to tell her, it's not that I'm trying to preach. It's that I'm trying to see God in every situation of my life. This is why sunsets are so beautiful to me. Not because they're orange or they're yellow, but because they come after the night. So when I'm in the nighttime of my life, that sun reminds me that the night will never last forever, that the sun will rise. The mercies are new every morning of God. That's what the Bible says. This is why when I breathe, it's not just a breath. I go, man, God, let every breath praise the Lord, the Bible says. What does that mean? Every time you breathe, be reminded of the maker who gave you that breath in the first place. When you reflect on the maker, what he made, all of a sudden, if you, if you can do it. Now, that takes skill, it takes time, it takes practice. Sometimes it's hard to find God in painful things and hurtful things and things that end in death. And it's not easy, but it's a good way to, to make that a good day. The other thing that makes good days valuable, and here's the other thing. Can we throw that Picasso up one more time? Throw that Picasso up one more time. Let me ask you a question. This sold for half a million dollars, I believe. If I print this out right now, my printer at home, can I sell it for half a million dollars? But it'll look just like it. Why won't it sell? Because why? Because it's not the original. Its value is derived from the fact that there's only one like it. Ha ha. 
Can I tell you something about today? There's only one like it. It's an original. And it's the most valuable day in your life because yesterday has already been spent and tomorrow's not guaranteed. So today, this day right here, this Sunday, is the most valuable day of your life. Do you know, let me make this more practical for you. Do you know that your kids will never be six years old and 34 days ever again? Today is the only day they'll be that. I need to tell you that because some of us are trying to rush through the phases of parenthood so we can get to more convenient phases. But then you understand there are no convenient phases. But every phase is a special phase. So we got kids in diapers and we go, I can't wait to get them out of diapers because I'm tired of changing diapers. I'll tell you what, I wish I could go back to diapers sometimes. <laughs> when the only problem I had with my kid was that he pooped himself. If the only problem with your child is that they pooped themselves, you don't got a lot of problems. <laughs> well, I just can't wait for they start talking so then they can tell me what they want. Yeah, but once they start talking, they start talking back. I heard one parent tell me as a teenager, he's, he had a teenager now. He said, I think I messed up when my kids were kids. I said, why? He said, because when they were younger, I couldn't get them to shut up. So when we would go out, I'd give them the iPad. And we were at home, I put them in front of the TV because I just wanted them to stop talking. Anybody else got kids like that? <laughs> he goes, but now that they're teenagers, I can't get them to talk. I wish I had embraced that season of they want to talk to daddy because it's gone. It's an original. It's an original. Can I talk to Journey Youth? Journey Youth, where you at in the house? Alabama. They're in Alabama, but we still got some people. <laughs> hey, I wish I was somebody would have told me that I could only be in high school for four years. That I would only be a kid for a limited amount of time. You better enjoy that while you haven't. Now when I watch cartoons, I feel inappropriate. Right. <laughs> I use my kids as excuses to watch cartoons now. Single people. You better enjoy it while you got it. Because this is the only time in your life when you don't have to ask someone for permission to go somewhere. <laughs> I told Liz the other day, I was like, I'm going to go hang out with the guys. She was like, you should have told me first. I was like, you're right. <laughs> I'm, I'm married. I forgot that for a second. You get to go wherever you want. Enjoy your season for what it is to send Original. So that is a good day. I think today is a good day. It's valuable. Why is a good day? I know that's terrible English, but it's good preaching. Why? Why do we have a good day? It's very simple. Ecclesiastes 7.14. On a good day, the Bible says, enjoy yourself. You know, I, I believe God gives us good days so we can enjoy them. And it's crazy to me that God has to instruct us to enjoy. Almost as if we knew, almost as if he knew that human beings have this, the illest gift and capacity to point out even the smallest bad things in good days. Like we could be having a great day, but he knew that us human beings, we wouldn't be able to enjoy it because we would point out the one bad thing in our good day. We came home from Disney with Justice and Zane when they were a lot younger and they had the best day of their life. In my mind, they told me they had the best day of their life. So this is the best day of my life, daddy. I said, amen. They had ice cream and they rode the rides. We drive past the dollar store. What was that for? Their grandpa, every time they drive by the dollar store, stops in the dollar store and gives them dollar store gifts. We don't do that. Why? Because dollar store gifts break. So we don't do that. So we drove by the dollar store. They said, can we get a gift? Justice said, I said, no, no dollar store gift. He's 
started crying. And he looked at me, he goes, this is the worst day ever. That's the worst day. I look back and I said, the worst? The worst day? Dude, you just spent the whole day at Disney, but the dollar toy, it was the worst day ever. <laughs> the Holy Spirit impressed on my heart to ask you a question. When God gives you Disney World, are you complaining about dollar store? Can you look around for just a minute and see all of the beautiful, amazing rides he's taking you on? The little Mickey-shaped ice cream metaphor. This is a metaphor he's giving you in your life. And we're going to complain about dollar store gifts when he's giving us Disney World blessings. We can't allow that to steal. That's why, listen, some say, well, I'm just not feeling it. Well, that's okay. Enjoying is not something you feel. Because enjoy is not a noun. It's a verb. In other words, enjoy is not something you feel, it's something you do. By the way, which is why they call it enjoy and not outjoy. Because it's not something you get out of an experience. It's something you put into it. And while you're putting into it, can I also encourage you to stay in it? Because bad days will happen too. So you might as well stay in that good day as long as you can. And how that good day made you feel as long as you can. Because if a bad day made you feel bad, you stay in that bad feeling as long as you can. Have you ever noticed that when someone criticizes you, the lifespan of that criticism can be as long as two months? Oh my God. Some of y'all still thinking about stuff people said to you two years ago. Yeah, but when someone compliments you, the lifespan of that compliment is like two minutes. Why do we choose to stay in the things that hurt us longer than the things that help us? Why do tragedy, why does tragedy last twice as long as triumph? If something good happens, enjoy it and enjoy it as long as you can. By my math, you ought to laugh at least as long as you cried. By my math, you ought to dance at least as long as you were down. You ought to shout as least as long as you, as you were ashamed. You ought to make some noise and praise God as long as you... For the bad thing... Listen, I know we've been in this building for five months already, but I'm still enjoying it. And I won't stop enjoying it. Pastor JJ, you should move on to the next blessing. The next blessing will be there, but I'm going to live in this one just a little bit longer. As long as I can, I'm going to enjoy it because bad days are coming. Well, let's talk about bad days really quickly. Bad day. What is a bad day? What is a bad day? What is a bad day? You're not going to like my answer. Just give you a heads up. You're not even going to expect my answer, but you should expect my answer. Why? Because a bad day is expected. A bad day is expected. Now, I didn't expect many amens on that. This might not be the most life-giving portion of the sermon right here. But let me read you a Bible verse. Psalm chapter 10, verse 6. The fool says to himself, nothing will ever shake me. No one will ever do me harm. Can I give you the JJV translation of that real quick? The fool says, I will never have a bad day. Yeah, you will. Listen, I am not surprised when bad things happen to me. But you know when I am surprised? I'm surprised when as a pastor, I sit down with someone who is surprised that bad things are happening to them. It never ceases to surprise me that people are surprised when bad things happen. Like, what were you expecting? What were you expecting? That when you became a Christian, that nothing bad would ever happen in your life again? 
Like, were you, were you not expecting to get sick? Were you not expecting to have someone you love get hurt? Were you not expecting to be overcharged at that place of business? Were you not expecting to have your business sued? Were you not expecting, like, you have to expect that it's going to happen because when you inspect it, it doesn't just put you a day in the proper perspective, but it also puts God in the proper perspective. Because the problem is when we don't expect bad things to happen and they happen, the reason why we don't expect bad things to happen is because we've been doing good things. So we only now have one person to blame when bad things happen that we didn't expect. And that person is God. So when bad things happen, we go, oh, God's not fair. God is not fair because my car broke down. God is not fair because I got COVID. God is not fair because he shut my business down. God is not fair because my, my marriage ended in a divorce. God is not fair and God is not fair. I wrote it like this. People think God's not fair because bad things happen to them. Yeah. But God is fair because bad things happen to everyone. That's right. That's true. That's true. That is a whole word right there. God's not fair because bad things happen to you. You know what would not be fair? If you're the only person in the world that didn't go through bad stuff. That would not be fair. You know what would, would not be fair? It would not be fair if you're the only one who has a kid that doesn't talk back. That would not be fair. In fact, I've met your kid. And it's not fair. It's not fair. You know what would not be fair? If you're the only one who spent years in church and never got hurt. That would not be fair. Because I've been in church my whole life and I've been hurt more than I can remember. That wouldn't be fair. You know, it would not be fair if someone, if you didn't have someone you love pass away. Yeah. That would not be fair because I've lost more people than I can count in 2020. That would not be fair. I'm just trying to tell you, it, when you have that right preparation, preparation leads to the right, when you have that right expectation, the right expectation leads to the right preparation. Yeah, because I expected to get an accident, I put on my seatbelt. Because I expect to get sick, I wear health insurance, I get health insurance. Because I expect things in my house to break, I have an emergency fund. So that when it breaks in my life, that thing does not break me. <laughs> One of the reasons why I come to church every Sunday, except for the last four. <laughs> it's not just because I love you and I love Jesus. It's because I'm trying to store up an emergency fund of faith. So that when the bad day comes, I will be able to understand that a bad day does not equal a bad God. That's my, write that down. Bad day does not equal bad God. You got to separate those two. So why is a bad day? I'm going to end here. Why is a bad day? Why is a bad day? Ecclesiastes 7.14, on a bad day, examine your conscience. You don't learn a lot about God on a bad day other than he is your savior because he'll get you through it. But you know who you do learn a lot about on a bad day? Why are bad days? Bad days are x-rays. <laughs> I know you think the person next to you is good and nice. Do you want to hear the truth? We are all just one zombie apocalypse away. from your neighbor eating you. Because <laughs> when bad things go down, 
That's how you know. I look at those movies, I'm like, which one will I be? You ever wonder that? Like, am I going to be the person who, like, shares their canned tuna? Or am I going to be people like, shut the door, keep them out? <laughs> you know? I don't know. But I do know that on that day, I won't know who I am. Why? Write this down. Because bad days don't reveal who God is. They reveal who we really are. Because on a good day, you think you're a good person. Do you know that? When everything's going well, you're like, I am the second coming of Christ. <laughs> I must be. How could I not be when everything in my life is wonderful? That sex last night, I paid my bills, going to church in the morning, my fr fridge is full, my car is wet. I'm God's favorite child. But when things go bad, all of a sudden you start to, what's up, what's up, what's up? Right? But we, don't, but we don't do it until they go bad. You know how I know that's you? Because the check engine light on your car has been on for about 27 years. <laughs> and you have not bothered to bring it in. Because in your mind, forget what the light says, as long as this thing is working, it's working. You don't go in to take it until what? It what? Sometimes you got to break down in order to open up. I wrote it like this. You'll never know what's wrong with you until something's wrong with you. Yeah. Wow. And so, 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 so something bad happens and now you start to look inside, inside, inside. So how do we deal with a bad day? How do we deal with a bad day? I want to tell you how Hezekiah dealt with it. Hezekiah was the second greatest king of Israel. Super righteous, did things the right way, loved God. One day he gets a boil on his body. Most theologians believe he wrote this psalm that we're about to read. Psalm chapter 42, verse 1 through 4. This boil, if you got a boil in biblical times around that age and around that era, that probably meant you had the bubonic plague. So Hezekiah's got the plague. And he hears from the prophet Isaiah that God is not going to heal them from this, but he's going to die. So how many people know that the day you get a terminal illness diagnosis, that's a bad day. I'd love to teach you how Hezekiah dealt with that. I'm going to give you three real quick. And that's how you're going to help deal with your bad day. First, he starts to be honest that it's a bad day. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. You know what's a bad day? When things are not just going off physically, but things feel off spiritually. He's like, I wish I could even feel God, but things are going so bad in my life. Honest, if I'm honest, I can't even feel his presence right now. So then he goes into the next verse. He goes, when can I go and meet with God? That's funny. He's like, we need an appointment right now. When can I get an appointment? Can we talk? I've been fasting and praying. Look at verse three. My tears have been my food day and night. I've been fasting, haven't eaten all day while people say to me all day long, where is your God? That's significant because Hezekiah was the only king after Solomon who did away with all the other gods in Israel. So now all the other people who lost their gods are looking at Hezekiah going, hmm, and how's that whole Christian thing working for you now? This God that you serve, where he at? You made, my, you, you made me burn my God. Should we burn your God when he doesn't come through for you? They're making fun of me, Lord. Verse four, and what makes it even harder to fathom is these things I remember as I pour out my spirit. I go to church every Sunday. I go to the house of God. I'm supposed to be under the protection of the mighty one. I sing songs, I worshiped. It's making it hard, but it's a bad day, God. What do we do? What do you do if you're there? Three things. 
Psalms 42.5, David does this. Write this down. Look, why are you downcast, oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Number one, be aware of the symptoms, but treat the sickness. Here's why. Hezekiah feels terrible, but he knows that God is still on the throne. So Hezekiah is saying, why so are you downcast? You know what I would say to Hezekiah? Because you're dying, bro. But Hezekiah goes, yeah, but that shouldn't matter because my circumstances should not dictate my joy. So he's saying, so if something's wrong with me, it's not my situation. If I feel bad, then that must mean there's something deeper in my, not in my body, but in my heart. So what is that thing that's on the inside? So listen to the symptoms, but, but treat the sickness. I'm one of those natural healing people. Like I don't, I don't, like I believe in antibiotics. I just try and stay away from them. And because I want to heal naturally, you know, I'm like, so I had this ear infection one day and I, I just, Liz was like, you need antibiotics. You need to go to the doctor. And I was like, hand me some emergency. Give me some orange juice. I'm a rest. I'm a sleep. Jehovah Rapha. The Lord is my healer. You know, I don't need none of that. She's like, okay. It did not get better. It got so bad. My ear, she said, I'm exaggerating. My ear started to whistle. It was going and I could feel, I found out later, it was the pressure building up in my eardrum, trying to escape through my ear. And then it went, and then one day I was in the kitchen, it went, and I was like, I don't even know if an eardrum is a real thing. But if it is, that sucker just blew up right now. I know it. I know it. I was in unbelievable pain. Blood started to come out. I said, babe, we need to go to the hospital. She was like, mm-hmm, ahora. Which in English means now, huh? Now you want to go? Huh? So we go. And the doctor looks at me and he says, just all the texts and all that. So the man I heard Pat goes, yeah, your eardrum ruptured. I go, can you give me something for the pain? They go, nah. He pulls out this long needle. He goes, you're going to need to bend over. I said, excuse me? He said, we need to treat this infection right now. I said, where's that going? He didn't answer. He looked at me like, you and I both know. <laughs> Don't make me say it. <laughs> I was like, I really would rather just have something for the ear pain. He goes, no, no, you don't understand. This infection is so bad. If we don't treat it now, it can actually spread into your brain. You can die. I said, go ahead. Do what you got to do. Do it. The symptom was what bothered me, but there was something deeper than the symptom. And if I didn't treat that, the symptom was just going to get worse. In fact, it could have even killed me. Like, can I bring this into your world real quick? Your dad calls you, hey, mom's not doing well. It doesn't look like she's going to make it. Just find out she's been, we need to rally around her and and, and, and love her. And then then you start to feel bad, rightfully so. So that's a bad day when you find out that mom and dad just got sick. But then in addition to feeling bad, all of a sudden you start to feel like you have no more cover. I've talked to people who've lost parents, even elderly people who have lost parents, 60 year olds who have lost parents. And they'll tell me, it feels like you've lost your protector. Like they're gone, like they're not there anymore to help you if you fall. Maybe the symptom is sadness, but maybe the symptom is an indicator of something deeper that God is trying to get to. Maybe the bad day was an x-ray to show you, yeah, I get it, we should be sad, but, but we should also trust that God is our protector 
and that even though mom and dad are gone, they're going to be with the Lord. But guess what? Now God's going to stand in the place that mom and dad are in, and he's going to protect you now. So I'm going to allow the bad day to do what it's supposed to do in my life. It's going to be an x-ray for me. You lose your job. I get it. I get why you're worried. I get all that. But maybe after you lose your job and, and you feel like your world's crumbling down, I get that you're upset you lost your job, but maybe not feeling like it all crumbling down is the solution. But maybe you feel like that because inside you still have not yet to identify Christ as your provider. You still trust money and bosses and people and that bad day is trying to show you something inside yourself. So that's the first step. But I love what David does next. 42.5. So number one, don't look at, the, pay attention to the symptom, but look for the deep, you got to ask yourself this question. Take the time to ask, why do I feel this way? Yeah. That's like the biggest, like I can tell you right now, take the time to ask, why do I feel this way? Psalms 42.5. I love what David does next. David says this, he goes, put your hope in God. And he's not talking to you, he's talking to himself. He said, also, why are you downcast? Why are you downcast within me? And then he says this, put your hope in God. I love that. Here's number two. You got to learn to preach to yourself. Hey, anybody here know how to preach to themselves? You better preach. I'm a good preacher, but I'm not better than you are when it comes to preaching to yourself. You better learn to preach to yourself. You better learn how to quote some Bible stories to yourself. You better learn how to quote some verses to yourself. You go, you better listen up yourself. I know you lost your job. And I know you don't know what to do except this thing that you do. And I know that the bills are piling up. And I know that no one else is hiring right now. And I know that we're in the middle of a pandemic. But if he dresses the lilies. Hey, with beauty and splendor. Are you hearing me, self? Then how much more will he clothe you? How much more will he clothe you? Listen here, self. I know you're worried, but if he watches the sparrows, how much more does he love you? I know it feels like the world is against you, but here's what the Bible says. There is no weapon that can come against you, that can stand against you. I know you're sick. Says, by his stripes I am healed. So listen up, self. You better receive this sermon right now. You better receive this sermon right now. If you're standing, you can stay standing. Let me give you number three, real quickly. Preach to yourself. Number three, Psalms 42 5. Throw it on the screen. For I will what? Nah, you missed it. You missed it. You missed it. I, they said they did this in the 9 a.m. too. They said, for I will praise him. But you missed the most important word in that sentence. For I will what? For I will what? For I will what? Let me ask you a question. Do you know how to yet praise God? I'm going to wrap it up right now. Because at church, we're really good at teaching you how to praise God for. But do you know how to, for I will praise him yet? Listen, we do it in church all the time. God, I praise you for my family. God, I praise you for my sister who gave her life to Jesus after being away for 20 years. God, I praise you for my mother who taught me how to pray and read the Bible. I praise you for my wife who's been with me through the good and the bad. I praise you for this stage. I praise you for this building. I praise you for this praise team. You're amazing. I praise you. I praise you for the people who decided to come to church today, even though they had a million reasons not to and stay home. I praise you for all the people who tuned in online. I praise you for, I praise you for, I praise you for. That's awesome on a good day. But on a bad day, that don't work. 
on a bad day you got to learn how to do something different and it's not praise him for it's for I will praise him We only use it in one sentence when we say not. Not what? The devil will tell you, don't praise God. You came to church alone today. Your husband is still not serving. Your husband still doesn't even believe in this whole Jesus thing. You've been coming alone for the last three months and don't get it in your mind that he's ever going to come. And this is where you go, devil, you got it twisted. You think I'm praising you for for I'm praising because my husband's not here but you've been trying to get pregnant and every time you get pregnant it fails or it doesn't happen I understand and that really hurts devil you're not wrong it's a bad day but I've learned to praise God not because I'm not pregnant but because the baby hasn't gotten here You're still addicted to pornography. Uh-huh. I'm not free. But your children aren't serving God. Uh-huh. They're not serving God. Revival hasn't happened yet. The miracle hasn't happened yet. The healing hasn't happened. Can you praise him yet? Let me hear you praise him yet. Can you praise him yet? Yet I praise him. Really quickly, I want to do one prayer and I want to do one praise. I want to do one prayer. I want to pray for those who have decided, haven't decided to follow Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. You've been far from God, but your yet moment is right here, right now. But pastor, you don't understand the life I've lived. You just haven't been forgiven. Yeah. Yeah. Right now. You put your trust in God. You have a relationship with him right here, right now. I love it that God uses the yet on you too. But I'm a mess. And God goes, yet. I love you. God, I'm selfish. Everything I do is for me. And God's like, yet, I gave my son for you. Oh, I thank God for his yet. In this room, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're ready to receive the yet of God, come on, you, you need Jesus in your life. On the count of three, I want you to raise your right hand. Jesus, I need you more than anything I've ever needed in my life. I need you. I need to be forgiven for my sins. I've made some poor choices. I want to repent. That word means turn. I want to turn from my old life. And I want to turn to you. And I know I'm not perfect yet. I know you are. 
I know I don't like myself, but yet you love me. That's you and you want to come back home to Jesus today. Make that decision right now on three all over this place. One, two, three. Right now, raise your right hand up high. Come on, more hands than I can count all over the building. If you didn't raise your hand, pray this prayer. If you raise your hand, pray this prayer. Everyone in the building, pray this prayer with me. Father God, Father God I know I'm not perfect. I know I'm not perfect. Yet, I know you are. I know you are. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this. Yet, yet, I know that you can. I know that you can. Come on, this is real honest. I'm not even sure if I believe. I'm not even sure if I believe. Yet, yet, I know you believe in me. I know you believe in me. Forgive me for my past. Forgive me for my past. I want to start a new life. I want to start a new life. I place my trust in you. I place my trust in Jesus' name. We pray. In Jesus' name. We amen pray. and amen. Come on, give it up for all those who made decisions. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.